Kia ora, welcome to Dancing in Your Head. We're joined today, well, I'm Dan, the host, and uh, we have Anthony Donaldson in the house. Hello, Anthony. G'day, Dan. Such a pleasure to be here. Well, pleasure is all mine. It's a real honour, actually. Well, I... You know, here we are. <laughs> Anthony, for those who don't know, the few of, few of you out there that don't know Anthony Donaldson, he's a drummer from Wellington, has been playing since the late 1970s in all manner of uh, fantastic ensembles, including Primitive Art Group, Six Volts, The Razor Blades. What are some more, Anthony? Um, nettles, melancholy babes, um, um, village of the idiots. Oh, yeah, yeah. flower yeah. orphans. Yeah, to name but a few. And uh, wonderful improviser, fantastic drummer, uh, beautiful sense of fluid rhythm and timbre or sounds. And um, that's a pretty good intro, I'd say. Oh, that's I'm I'm loving it. <laughs> Great to have you on the show. <laughs> I, and. Um, Tell us, we're going to start off with um, an early recording of yours just to get the ball rolling, um, and then we're going to go through and some more contemporary stuff. Is that the idea? Yeah, some stuff that maybe there's two pieces for start that maybe no one's ever heard and probably never hear again that uh, I'm lucky enough to have on CD that our friend Peter Winter um, burnt for me. Oh, great. And now that poor guy's gone, so we, I have no idea where he got, got the music from, so it's to me it's quite important sounds good well um, without further ado let's just uh, get on with the first track we're going to play which is um, going way back to 1982 a duet you on drums and the guitarist David Watson on guitar as I mentioned Um, do you remember much about this particular recording Um, well it's the first proper recording that both of us are on for a start, the Primitive Art Group hadn't put their album out yet. We were going to put that out in about two years. For, um, but it was a commission for a, a sculptural exhibition that um, a friend of ours... Stuart Griffiths. Yes, yeah. Stuart Griffiths. And it was at some art gallery, possibly... The, uh, actually, so long ago, I'm not sure. But it was an art installation where you walk through the ruins, so-called ruins of a house that was inside the building and this music played in the background. So it wasn't meant to be um, like a jazz or an improvised jazz recording. It was meant to be us coming up with ideas that might suit the um, art gallery's installation. Great. Well, let's give it a whirl. David Watson subsequently moved to New York. He's still Been there like 32 years. Mm. Yeah, he's just opened a... Performance um, space. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right, here we go. 1982, Anthony Donaldson and David Watson. Thank you. 
So we're listening to Anthony Donaldson and David Watson duet from 1982. Really nice, Anthony. Beautiful. Thank you. Lovely stuff. So um, for people maybe unfamiliar with your music or improvisation, what's happening in this music? Well, uh, <clears throat> well I, the first thing I think would be that we're having a dialogue between uh, the two of us are having a dialogue. Um, there'll be some uh, perimeters that we're probably going to uh, observe. Um, so laying down a beat <coughs> is not necessarily a priority whatsoever at this. Um, Great timing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're obviously getting a bit excited here. Um, and I'm using uh, the drums that I would have had at that time, which were all calfskin, to get my sound, mm. um, which means you've got to um, be very careful with them. Can't beat the shit out of them. Would you guys have been aware of the, um, I don't know, let's say Tony Oxley and Derek Bailey oh, yeah. duets? I don't know if they'd done a duet at that point, actually, um, because as we're talking, I don't know. But I've t certainly had duets like I had um, Hun Benink and Derek Bailey duets. So I knew what, yeah. what was go going along. I know what the English, for instance, were mm. doing with um, uh, drum improvisations because a lot of the really good ones came from Britain in the uh, early 70s, late 60s. And David Watson's guitar style, the closest would be Fred Frith, probably, in that realm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. From Henry Cow. Yeah. Well, that was a long time ago. It certainly was. <laughs> 40 years ago, actually. Um, and so let's move on now, because for the rest of the hour, you wanted to play some more recent stuff and tell us the... Is it Devil's Gate we're moving on to next? If we play the Devil's Gate and you get it right, um, and I know you will. This you is mean from press play on the CD player? Yeah, that's all okay, you have to do. Should be I'll give you a, a watch. Um, 
Well, this piece of music was played last Sunday. Right. Who is Devil's Gate? Devil's Gate is the clean-up jazz band in Wellington, and it's a seven-piece band with you on guitar, me on drums, Tom Corwood on bass, my brother David on bass banjo and various instruments, Steve Roach on trumpet and various instruments, Blair Latham on bass clarinet and alto sax and electronics, except he's not on this gig because the poor bugger got COVID, um, and Corey Champion on vibes and percussion. Um, and this is a tune written by you. Whoa. Yeah. All right. And it's actually about, it's <clears throat> rhythms from memory that you uh, transcribe from birdsong, and we, we've interpreted it and turned it into a piece of music. Exactly. Okay, here we go. Press, yeah, press that one.
Devil's Gate outfit there with, I can't remember what we called that tune, actually. Gannet Dives. Gannet Dives, yeah, nice. How do you get your titles? Well, that's my tune, but you called it Gannet Dives. Well, <laughs> How do you get your well, names, Jeff, man? Um, Jeff said, suggested that uh, because it's Devil's Gate and it's to do with the south coast of Wellington to some degree, the tune should reflect that. And so we had to come up with titles that reflected the south coast. So even though other people had might have named their tunes, we worked. To, I uh, brought suggestions along until we, everyone was happy with their titles, basically. And Devil's Gate, of course, is the geographical feature along the south coast, slightly past where Red you live Rocks. in Red Rocks, yeah. 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 Where I live, exactly. What's that? Tell listeners, what is that? Uh, what's your house like? Well, it's a batch. It was bought, uh, built in 1940. The original batch was over the other side. A huge storm came and, and knocked it. A mudslide came down and knocked it flat. And this guy took all the best bits of wood over to the site that it now is and built the batch. And then uh, it was only one room. And then some others came along and built another room. And then some others came along and built the third room. Um, and that's when I got it. But when I got it, it was um, very dilapidated. Mm. And uh, so I had a heap of work to do. I've been there 30 years now. And um, I've got some incredible memories of the weather around there, I can say that. I was there for the 2013 storm that just washed everything away. Um, even just last week, that big, there was a big um, swell came in. There were 20-foot waves outside my house. And it's such a pleasure to sit inside and look out the window and see them. <laughs> <laughs> And I have to walk now because the road's washed away, so I have to walk the three and a half k to get to my car in the car park before I can get to work. And then I park it and walk back to the batch each day. So that's my life. Are there many others like you living around? Uh, there's around there? one person living there, but he's a much, much closer and he's got a much, much better vehicle than me. Mm. Yeah, there's no one living further around than me. Mm. Great spot. Yeah. Do you ever play drums out there? No. Has that ever crossed your mind or is it just uh, I did some practice worlds? once and it just was a pain to have my kit there, to be honest. I kind of like the idea of separating everything a bit. That's a town thing and when I'm out there, it's, I'm thinking other thoughts. Mm. That's Cyrus, he wants to say something. But. <laughs> um, yes, it's a fascinating place and I'm, I'm very, very lucky actually, I must say. It's changed my whole life, and when I'm looking at those waves and sets coming in, I start thinking. I think about music, lots, mm. about how music works and what what its function is and how it's made up and what I consider to be important. Mm. And what sort of things? Anything specific? Well, I'm not very anal on um, getting caught up with technique and strict observations. Um, metronomic drumming for me is all very well but looking at the sea you know you give and take you know um, tension and release I, I'm very big on that type of thing it's, and that's, that's because I'm out there I believe you know and I um, can because of the weather being so full on in winter you get very tolerant and don't let a lot of things worry me too much hmm. Um, yeah. 
in the um earlier earlier on when we were um just talking about the Devil's Gate, you alluded to a certain Jeff, which is Jeff Henderson up in Auckland, yeah. great sax player and uh, musician friend, and he is putting out that record, the yeah. Devil's Gate record. Yeah. Um. When's that happening? Um. It'll be this year. Hmm. But because vinyl's taken off again, there's a, probably going to be at least a sort of a six-month wait before we get the, the pressings back. Um, so and at the moment, the uh, this album and another album we've done are both over in Germany uh, getting mastered. So there's a bit of time to go yet. Fantastic. I didn't know it was coming out on vinyl. It's great mm. news. Mm. Um, okay, Anthony. Well, let's move right along because... The other, another recent side to your music has been the Mean Bones, right? Yeah. And that's, uh, what, is that a nine piece? Or I think it's it about was nine. a nine piece last yeah. time we got together. Shh. Um, and partly was formed out of various groups you've had, but also with your finding of Magma. You know, it was a post-magma. No. No? No. No, shut up. Be quiet. This is uh, the thing, the irony of behind all those groups that you've mentioned is that, hey, stop it, Um, is that the assumption would be that I must have been listening to magma. But in actual fact, I didn't even know they existed. And so a huge amount of my ideas I'd been forming for years. And um, and I listened to lots of music. I thought I knew most bands uh, that were around. And somehow this band, Magma, a French group, prog rock group from the 70s that are still playing, um, suddenly appeared. And when I listened to them, I got a hell of a shock because it sounded like my music just played better and I realised that the drummer who was the leader of the band and wrote the music was like the father I never knew I had. It's <laughs> <laughs> Christian Vander, yeah. Yeah, mm. so I was absolutely gobsmacked when I heard his stuff and realised how close mine, my music was to his. So I'm, I'm, I don't think any of their music plays a big role in my music. A, part, a little bit of his drumming did, because he was such an incredible drummer, um, he was so powerful and quite often very, very sparse and um, just had a fantastic compositional concept with, with his drumming. He didn't just play the drums at the back of the band. He's pretty much directing the music from the drums, a bit like Art Blakey might have done. Um, so I, took, I definitely took notice of that, but the music, no. But I'm inspired by what you're about to play. There's a couple of things where all these people from Europe did, were asked to do a song to, to put out, um, I wouldn't say they're magma tribute albums exactly, they're, but they're albums where they're playing their music and they came come up with very, very different approaches to some of the tunes. And this first one is... Um, by a group called X-Girl. That's your Japanese band. Yeah, a mm. Japanese a cappella group who are, do, are going to do a, um, an a cappella version of one of his pieces. Let's have a listen. Um, so this is X-Girl, and the piece is called... Well, one thing about Christian Vander um, is that he created his own language and used to compose 
lyrics in that language. What's that language called? Cobian. Cobian, yeah. So anyway, the title. So even the, the, the whole Cobian these... thing it blew me up because I, I'd been, me and Johnny had been working on years talk, uh, getting uh, talking in tongues uh, right. voc- vocals. So the whole thing was quite astounding. <laughs> so in Cobian, the name of this tune is Ria Shialtak. And this is an interpretation of um, Magma's piece by the Japanese trio X-Girl. That's a group, Japanese group called X Girl doing a magma piece there called Ria Shial Tak. What um, moves you about that music, Anthony? Well, for a start, there's no instruments on it apart from a couple of little bells. Uh, I think the harmonies that they. The harmonies are um, fantastic, like really beautifully thought out. Um, it's to me that's a faultless piece of music, to be honest. A listening experience that is, and I wish that more people put enough effort in and come up with stuff like that around Wellington. 
uh, or indeed, you know, New Zealand. Be take, take notice more of this, perhaps, than some of the stuff that I tend to hear sometimes. It's a challenge, though, because you've got to be good, good and dedicated to kind of uh, make that sort of thing work. Mm. And uh, the next piece is the, the male kind of version of interpreting um, a magma piece, but it is actually sung by Klaus Basque, we'll say his name is, who was the original singer for Magma with a four-piece a cappella male group. And to is, me, this is seriously hip stuff. And they're doing a piece called De, uh, De Futuro, which is one of the really famous Magma compositions, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. If not the the piece. It's about a 45-minute long... No, it's about 20. 20-minute 20. 20 piece uh, that... On the original album is just the singer, the bass player, and the drummer with a couple of little overdubs, but it's essentially a, a duet with mm. with a singer, and it's very full on and fin- it's absolutely fantastic. And they're doing a little short version here, a cappella, where the Japanese dudes provide all the instrumentation. Right, let's check it out. So this is um, Klaus Blaqui. He's Basque. So from that sort of French-Spanish borderland, um, original magma singer doing De Vitura. Oh, my God. 
sounds um the sort of throat singing stuff there is rather similar to um yeah, Johnny Marks our yeah. good friend who um is of course the singer in Mean Bones as well as All Sing Hand and various other groups but yeah uncannily uncannily uh kind of similar tone he's got strange well we'll find out in a second a weird way <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I love that piece of music. I think it's really cool. Very, very hip. And it'd take a lot of work to get that together. Totally. Um, so then, Mean Bones, if um, if it's not... You, did you tell me you were trying to say it's not directly influenced by your love of... your newfound love of magma, that particular group? Yep, I'm definitely saying that. I think to be fair, they had a massive influence in some ways, but mostly as a listening experience, mm. I just blew me away. But there's a lot of stuff I don't like about it. Um, but I do have an unhealthy love for prog rock, and so they are just one of many of those um, types of bands, perhaps, that I think there's a lot of musical ideas to be taken out of the prog rock. Um, not prog rock like yes I'm not talking about those sort of groups there's a whole another bunch of people and um, in this day and age I just feel like that's actually kind of it kind of works for for me and it's where I want to do if I'm going to play kind of grooves and I'm going to play kind of rock or whatever that is then uh, you could conceivably say that I am influenced by them especially when we were here the last this tune that's coming up which is March of the Demons, but the thing is this idea of getting a, a pattern and then repeating it, I did on the Family Mallet album, Bosch's Bottom. That's where I wrote my first little piece, and that's about 1983. <laughs> <laughs> about around 1983. So I've been kind of thinking about and working on ideas of this concept for a long time. And this particular pattern, which I know because I've played in it, but we'll hear in a second, um... Where did that come from? 
Yeah. Uh, well, it's my beat, but it was instigated by a beat that I did see in a book that gave me the idea, hang on, why don't I repeat, uh, get a pattern that I can repeat that actually works and can handle being repeated? So there, it didn't come off straight away. There's been a lot of little tweaking here and there to get it to the point where um, uh, where it can handle being played over and over and not be boring. Mm. Uh, that each time we play it, it's almost got a new life. Um, but no, it's just an eight-bar drum pattern, really. Should we give it a whirl? Yeah, we'll rip into it. Okay, here we go. So um, this is Mean Bones, yep. March of the Demons, from, uh, was it 2021 Jazz Festival? Is yeah. Right? At Meow. Yeah. Here we go. Last year. Sit up, 
that was um, March of the Demons, Mean Bones. Who's in that group? Remind us again. Joe Lindsay on trombone. Um, Otis Chamberlain on drums. Um, Tom Corwood on electric bass. You on guitar. Me on drums. Johnny Marks on vocals and percussion. Nell Thomas on keyboards. Aiko Satu on trombone and Bridget Kelly on bass clarinet and bass clarinet and conten- uh, clarinet. You like rather large ensembles, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. and that, um, in terms of um, creating the music and giving uh, a direction to it, what's your kind of philosophy in a group like that? Well, some of these tunes have been developing over the years, so uh, keep a careful, careful, careful eye on um, what's how it's sounding and how I want it to sound. Um, and I've got a group of people who hopefully I can um, um, and be happy enough to engage in the music to the point where they can contribute. Um, in terms of how we're going to arrange the tune, what's happening, I want everyone to have a bit of input, but I might just uh, have the ultimate say. But to me, it is an actually, in a, in a funny way, a collective group. Um, and the whole idea is to get out there and rug it up and play some some seriously good grooves into a whole bunch of what I hope would be some good-sized audiences. I think it's tailor-made for some big gigs uh, outside, really. Um, but it's quite hard to get a group like this playing constantly because it's nine-piece and there's not a huge place for us in so many ways. Um, we've got our following, though, mm. but I haven't heard. We can't. It's nine-piece. So I'd love to take it to Auckland or somewhere. I mean, it was um, there was probably opportunities, but uh, COVID sort of came and wiped us out. I remember... Yeah. Well, we did have um, the Village of the Idiots got to play at WOMAD one year. Mm. But it, it does, um, there are some relatively, uh, like Joe Lindsay, who's in Fat Freddy's, I mean, there's some people in there that are constantly are playing big gigs all the time. So um, yeah. you'd think that uh, there would be uh, some niche for this group in that kind of festival world. Of, I, I, uh, I think we'll get it. Um, we're growing. Um, We've got enough recordings that we're now working on um, putting an album out of sort somehow. Yeah, that's the next step, really. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we've got a couple more minutes. I was, um, we were just sort of talking what to play as the final one. The, this is uh, this is Mean Bones in the background, by the way. Um, and um, there was a bit of talk about maybe play something new or play something old, but we have lined up a primitive art group track called Arctic Waltz, Arctic Waltz, which is one of Stuart Porter's pieces. It was the first piece, first composition to come along that we worked on, and it was the first piece that got recorded. So primitive art group um, is going back 40-odd years to um, early 80s in Wellington. That was you, your brother Dave Don on bass... Stuart Porter on saxophone, Neil Duncan on saxophone, and David Watson, who we heard 
right at the top of the program he was on guitar plus a few others came and went but that was essentially the group and yep. um, yeah that was um what that was that your first band yeah mm. yeah stop it yeah it was um yeah we were working towards that when i came to wellington i wanted to get in the band and get stuck in and play some jazz this was the band that stuart and i finally got together and then how long, how far down the track was this particular recording? This, uh, we've been playing probably, f- the band had been together maybe six years. Mm. It was recorded in 1984 for memory. Yeah. And it was the first sort of band that actually had a crack at doing improvisation in its various forms. And and still maintaining a sort of a jazz uh, philosophy, shall we call it? Um, the jazz community in in New Zealand didn't take to it quite so kindly because they were a bit entrenched in their old bebop. But we got a quite a big following with the um, like Limbs Dance Studio, totally into it, um, and a lot of just people who were open-minded. Right. Yeah. Come on, Cyrus. Yeah, give a us a break. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of dog is Cyrus? Uh, Whippet crossed with a fox terrier. Yeah, he's got his little winter jacket on. It's cold out there for a skinny little dog. Not skinny. He's just uh, very um, skinny. Slight build. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, let's do this uh, primitive art group. This is Arctic Waltz. Um, Thanks, Anthony, for coming in. Oh, it's a pleasure, Dan. And uh, for sharing your music and your tunes with us. And um, uh, all the best with the Mean Bones and Devil's oh, Gate. So thank you so, so much. And uh, here we go. This is Primitive Art Group with Arctic Waltz from 1984's album Five Tread Dropdown on Braille Records. <laughs>
Thank <laughs> you.